You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for downloading this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Got loads coming up in this episode, which I was joined by good friend of the show, Yestin George. Had a great chat with Yestin about uh, the Wales-France game coming up next week and also some of the Pro 14 action and yeah, thoughts about whether Reese Priestland might or should get a recall to the squad given the injury concerns at number 10. So we had loads in there and of course we answered listeners' questions as always too. Make sure you keep listening right till the end of the podcast because we will be announcing who won the tickets to that Wales-France game, the competition that we ran with our friends at the Indigo Group, and make sure you follow them on Twitter, which is at Indigo Group, uh, and you can keep up to date with all the uh, all the Indigo Group Premiership news, and you can also win tickets on a weekly basis to, um, to the Indigo Group Premiership rugby games so they give away tickets on there every week if you want to keep your eye on that make sure you follow the hashtag win ticket wednesdays in order to in order to do that so once again big thanks to them for supplying those tickets for wales versus france and finally a big thanks as always to our sponsors at so coffee trades uh, our good friend Scott Otten at the Ospreys got on the score sheet twice this weekend, so congratulations to him. And uh, if you want to get some great quality coffee, then do head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk. Right, on with the show. Mervyn Davis takes the tap down from Peter Brown. It's beautifully laid back for Gareth Edwards. The kick ahead by Edwards. Can he score? It would be a miracle if he could. He may well get there. And he has. It's been a long time, but a welcome return to the podcast from Mr. Yestin George. How are you, Yestin? I'm very well, thanks, Jed. Good to yeah, good to have you on. It's certainly been a while. I'm trying to think how long it has been, but not yeah. as long as the Ospreys losing streak, which yeah. you must be you, you, delighted has come to an end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is usually accompanied by my doom-laden uh, voice uh, bemoaning the fortunes of the Ospreys. But no, they, they, I thought they played... It was 
quite quite a performance yesterday. A bit early to get all sort of overly excited about it, but um, just really good to see to see them toughing it out. Really, when in the the, the certainly the third quarter of the game, they could have easily uh, capitulated, and they didn't. They they saw it through, and it was good to see players like um, Luke Price and. Um, Kieran Williams making a big contribution. Mm. Cracknell looked really good, despite the fact he's playing. He was playing sort of seven. Um, yeah, they they just looked much more of a unit than they had been. Um, and and it was good to see players like Owen Watkin really uh, coming to the fore as well. So, without being overly excited about it um you know kai evans was very solid it was just really good to see see them kind of you know uh, fulfilling their potential really i mean it's really tricky these games during the six nations because of the the stress that's put on the squad i suppose for the ospreys it's it's helped that like you say you've got players like watkin who needed some game time so a really timely opportunity for him to come in particularly with with him looking to get get a a game for Wales to come back in, really make an impression. And you've got players like Alec Davis who are not involved in the national setup, whereas they would have been around the World Cup. So it's it's very easy to forget how thin that squad has seemed all season. So I think some of those some of those players come back in have, have clearly made a, a positive impact. Yeah, absolutely. And then you've got you know Gardner and people like that who have obviously just been drafted in as mm. a you know under very um, Difficult circumstances for the front row, and you know your man Scott Otten playing really, really well as well. Oh yeah, I did. I did text him this morning. I actually, uh, full disclosure, haven't seen um, haven't seen any of the regional rugby because I'm in the middle of a, a tour of the the north of England with the the little one, uh, introducing her to various various parts of a uh, family and extended family and whatnot. So, uh, but I did text him this morning because I saw he'd got uh, yeah got got himself a brace. Um, and certainly all the reaction on, on Twitter seems to say how well, you know, how well the pack as a unit played. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, and they did, they were outmuscled in the first half by um, Ulster, uh, Ulster are, tr- you know, tr- tremendous um, around the breakdown. They looked really, really strong and they just found a way, they found a way to win. And th- that's kind of what they've just been absolutely you know they've not been anywhere near um, uh, being kind of canny on the pitch um, mm. around. You know, in the, in the in they, it seems like they played obviously. You know, to a as most teams do now to a preordained plan and not being able to really, um, not been really able to to sort of manage the game. You know, that's in front of their eyes, which is kind of what. In a way, the Scar- what Scarlets did badly yesterday. They just mm. they didn't seem to have any real um, ability to to play the the game that was right in front of them under the conditions that were obviously very testing for for everyone involved who was playing yesterday. Well, we're going to talk a bit more about the Pro 14 as the show goes on, and we've also got listeners' questions coming in, which are always good fun to get stuck into. So we've got a few of those to. To have a look at. Before we do that, though, just wanted to get your take on the opening two rounds of the Six Nations. A big win at home to Italy, and then a disappointing win away. Uh, sorry, a disappointing loss away in Dublin. 
what has been your impression of the of the new Wales side under Wayne Pivak? Nothing conclusive. Mm. It's really weird. It just doesn't feel um, that you can come to any kind of conclusions other than I think that possibly that 5% that Gatland bring, brought to the team in terms of its own self-belief mm. uh, is something that they're going to have to rebuild. So I think that it's almost, you just recognise that 5%, 10% maybe of that of, is, has just gone with the, with the previous coach. Um, and that, that's the one thing that I can, you've got a feeling that in loosening up the structure a little bit, it just means that we're going to have to be very, uh, got to be a little bit more philosophical about the development of the team from now on, really, because it's a different, you get a feeling it's a totally different sort of, uh, a totally different organisation, even though it's not so much like a radical playing departure, mm. but it feels like those, uh, you know, fine margins, as people call them, uh, you know, that that those are that, that those are gone now. So they've got to just uh, find new ways of winning games and new ways of being competitive. I didn't think I wasn't all that impressed, really, about the Italy game. Um, and I wasn't all that depressed about the island game either. Um, yeah. I, I felt kind of ambivalence, a bit bit of a strong word, because obviously you're gutted when, you, when they lose. But um, at the same time, I didn't feel, oh, there you go, it's all gone wrong, because mm. it just, but it does feel like the, the that it, Wales are going to find it harder than um, to win now than they would have done 12 months ago. Yeah, I think 12 months ago, certainly. But the other thing is, is under each of those cycles under Warren Gatlin, we tended to start the rebuilding process towards the World Cup. It was a bit of a four-year process. And obviously, we had great success in, um, in 2012, straight after the, the 2011 World Cup. But... It's not like it's not like we we went and we romped. I know we had great success in the Six Nations, but we didn't win every year. You know, there were plenty of times we haven't won in in Dublin under Gatland um, since since 2012, which is quite a long period of time. So yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think that it's it's very very early to be to be kind of making judgments, and I don't think we've seen that much. I think we were disappointing in Dublin and didn't really get into the game. And actually, the, the weather would would definitely played a big. A big factor in it and the Italy game was really nothing more than a, a game that, that they failed to turn up for so I don't really think we've seen too much of what the long term is is going to hold based on those on those first two fixtures. No and I, you know uh, I think Italy hit their strides a bit better last time I mm. the, um, they looked like a much more cohesive unit and they looked quite exciting on the so you you just recognize not not necessarily that uh, Wales stop them playing, but actually you can you can turn things around quite quickly. And you know, Frankly's obviously done that with Italy in a fairly short period of time. But I think allowing, I think one thing that we will do is allow other teams to play a bit more than mm. than we have done in the past. And so therefore, it's just a little bit more 
competitive and a little bit, you know, we, we're not going to be able to uh, smother teams in the way that we have done in the past. And, you know, that, that you know, it'll make it'll make for for interesting watching, you know. It will do. Let's, let's stick with that as we get into the first of the listeners' questions. This one's from Gareth Davis. Given the coaching reorganisation, what are we going to be happy with from this Six Nations? For me, not finishing last and build from there. It's all about the Rugby World Cup in four years' time. Where do yeah. you? What would you? What would you be happy? I, I think. I think not finishing last is is perhaps a little low because I think really the way the fixtures are. I personally, for me, I think we should be winning our home fixtures and having lost the one away fixture, not getting hammered in Twickenham. I think three wins and a respectable performance at Twickenham. I'd be. I would be happy with that. Yeah, completely agreed. I mean, I, I'd also like to see some uh, some kind of development in terms of just maybe the odd player coming in and playing and making a contribution i'd like to see you know just just for that long term mm. uh that long term i'd like to see a different approach in you know in that you could play obviously you know, tompkins uh made a great uh you know made a great contribution in the first game mm. and then I guess people would criticise him for for um, not really, you know, for for being run over a couple of times against Ireland and maybe. Being... I think he'd criticise himself for that. To be honest, I think he would look at that and expect to to make those tackles. And and but but that's an adjustment coming to international level. That step up is big, and the the hits are that much more powerful that that it does take a bit of adjusting to. But. I still think there's a, huge, there's a huge amount of potential there to be working with. Yeah, and I'd like to see just I'd like just like to see a couple of other throws of you know throwing of the dice a little bit during the tournament. Not not you know not a huge uh, not a huge amount of risk taking in terms of selection, but it would be just nice to see just this the idea that maybe the bench is has a little bit more of a youthful balance, uh, something that you can look at and think, well, these they will be around in four years' time. So it would be good, obviously, you know, everybody has been talking, Louis, you know, re-sam it up. Mm. Uh, that would be something that you would like to see him making an appearance at some point. It, it would be great, you know. Yeah, I think the more you think about that, the more I think that first game would have been the perfect opportunity to give him a run out. And uh, that, you know, I, th I think it would have been perhaps better to start with Tomkins and then either North or McNichol on the wing and then damn it off coming off the bench in order to, you know, in order to get a bit of game time because that would have been an introduction. But but like we've just said with Tomkins, you know, the yes, the experience is one thing, but Tomkins had an absolute blinder. As I said, there's an argument to say it's the best Welsh debut I've, I've ever seen, actually, in terms of the, the sheer impact he made. And then the following week, it, it was kind of almost his real debut into international rugby. And so as much as I kind of feel like the DC game is a bit of a, a missed opportunity for Reece Summit, I still think we're going to get a chance to see him before the, the tournament is up. I mean, what would you, what would you like to see in terms of players coming through? Are there other players that you'd like to see sort of making some kind of contribution? I would like to see a sticking with Thomas Williams at nine. 
Uh, you know, it's no secret how big a, a bigger fan of his I am. Love Gareth Davis, but I think we know we know what how what he's capable of. You know, we know he's he's been working hard on the box kick, and that's coming better. We know how fantastic he is uh, from a defensive perspective, and we know you know he will get tries, and he's a, he's a kind of a, a fantastic finisher and and has an eye for the snipe and stuff. But I, I'd like to see a stick with Thomas Williams. Um, during that period of time, if there is an opportunity, uh, I, I'd love to see Basham get out on the pitch, just because he is such. I think he is a, a, an outstanding talent. He, he's a, a phenomenal athlete. He's great over the ball. He carries hard, and he's he's, he's very very young. But ultimately, I, I'm much more interested in seeing players earn their, you know, earn the place in the size. I think you could argue that that Reece Samet earned a, a place on the bench for the Italy game. Um, but then there's been worries about his fitness as well. But I'm much more interested in seeing genuine competition for for places rather than oh let's give him a go and see if he's all right. You know because the Six Nations isn't the isn't the time to be doing that really. I think it's about getting players in when they've earned the right to to pull that jersey on. So I'm much more interested in kind of genuine competition if you like rather than squad rotation for the sake of it. Yeah, but you're going to want to see Carey playing full games or at least sixty minutes, and you want to, you know, you're going to want to see what the balance is, how to get the balance right in the back row for now, and obviously with a view to what what it's going to be like in four years' time. Yeah, I mean, I think that back row, like we said in the in the lead up to the tournament, on paper, I think that's the form back row, and it has a lovely balance to it on paper. Went very well against Italy. I, I didn't think the back row were, were bad at all. I thought Tipperick had another excellent game against uh, against Ireland. Perhaps Wayne Wright and Falatau were a bit quieter than than we've come to expect from them. But I'm still keen to see them play as a play as a unit because I think the 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 individual skill sets they've got complement each other really really well. So I, I do think there's a, a, a huge opportunity there. Um, in terms of the front row, yeah, that's I, I would like to see Carrie get get more game time because I think he is he's just got such potential to be uh, I think a, a pivot kind of player because he does I know he's known for that kind of explosive ball carrying and stuff but if you've got a prop forward you can you can make you 20 yards or make you 10 yards and it it just causes a bit of panic in defense you know that a pivot side is going to have the ability out, out wide to exploit it and to to spot the gaps around it. So I think he's a player who could be could be very very useful. But that said, you know I thought I thought Win Jones acquitted himself well when he came back against Ireland. I think he had a very tough game against Italy from a scrummaging perspective, which is one of his biggest strengths. I thought he came back and in a game where we didn't play particularly well, I thought he I thought he he did well well enough to to keep the jersey for next week anyway. What about um? The tricky number ten situation. Bearing in mind the well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> this le- this leads us nicely onto another question. This one from Ian Alexander, saying, "If, as reported, Pivac calls up Priestland, what message does that send to players overlooked despite staying in Wales? Looking at Sam Davis in particular, and this, I I may be completely wrong on this, but I will be astonished if Rich Priestland is in that." is in that match day 23. I just can't, I cannot see that you would do it for, you know, as fine a player as, uh, as Priestland is. And yes, he'd bring experience and a, you know, a, a great set of skills and some good form into the, into the side. 
you're not going to do it for a player who's what 33 when you've if you're going to do, if you're going to do it and you were going to kind of say exceptional circumstances they would have done it for Webb around the World Cup just to have a to have that extra that extra bit of class in the in the World Cup squad they're not going to do it for Priestland to come on board when the chances are bigger will be fit anyway and Jared Evans will probably be fit so it'll be exactly the same as the Ireland game you're not going to do that I I I think if they if they do call up another outside half I think it'll be Sam Davis and I I just think it's a story that the rugby paper have run with and yes it may be considered but I, I would be astonished if this actually happens do you think um Jared's comfortable at the moment I thought he did all right against Ireland to be honest um he's still got a sense of belief which you don't want that's that's what his game is built on I think yeah. defensively he's probably yet to be tested at at the highest level and that would probably be a concern but he's got you know he's got such a fantastic skill set I think I, I certainly wouldn't be looking at rocking the boat and uh, bringing Reese Priestland in on the on the bench, I'd be going. Well, look, you know, here are the rules. We all know that these are the rules in order to get selection for for uh, for the national side. And based on that, Jared Evans is the is the second best qualified outside half. Therefore, he is he's going to be the he's going to be the guy on the bench. So I know it didn't really answer your question. I, I I don't think we've yet we've yet to see the best of him at international level. I think we've just seen, we've seen bits and pieces of him, and I'd probably like to see a bit more, to be honest. Yeah, it was a tough call against Ireland, wasn't it? It was a, a difficult situation to yeah. be put. Um, I know it's. I mean, this is this is crazy talk, but I would like to see Angus O'Brien brought into the squad personally. But that's um, that's a player I think that's got longer term potential. Um, but, I mean, uh, I've, I've watched really a lot. I've watched a lot of Angus play. Uh, as as you can imagine, at the dragons, and it was a baffling one for me that that he was allowed to go. And yeah. it's this it's a classic dragons thing where you see a you see a former player turn up at a better region and put in and put in good performances. And I don't know why they didn't position him at the dragons because he is a, he's an excellent outside half with with lots of potential. Has he got international international capability? I'm not sure. If yeah. I'm honest, I think I think he's I think he's a and that sounds a bit disrespectful, but I think he's a wonderful club player. Has he done enough in a Scarlet's jersey to suggest going on and uh, you know to to get a call up for the national side? I would argue not. I would argue it's been more impressive watching Sam Davis doing what he's done for the Dragons. That would be that would be my take on it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I just see him as the player who, when you see quite a few tens who clearly have. Uh, you know, have haven't maybe got hundred percent all round game, even if they're they they've got more experience and they've got more uh you know, they know how to control a game better, maybe. I just see him as a player who it's certainly he's he's the one that for me that flies under the radar in terms of I'd love to see him get two seasons playing at ten and then seeing what yeah really made of and obviously that's not going to be very easy for him but it's not you know I, I think Dean Ryan would love to have him at, at the Dragons I think he would love to have inherited a squad with him there because it would if nothing else it would take some of that pressure off Sam Davis of having to play every week knowing that you've got a player there who again I think would would learn from would learn from having Davis alongside each other I think they'd be good you know good kind of sparring partners for one another 
the more the more you look at it, the more that was a, a baffling decision to let him go because he, you know he wouldn't have been on he wouldn't have been on huge sums of money, and uh, yeah, just all, it's always concerning when you see players players leave and get and head off to head off to somewhere like Scarlets and, and go and do a good job for them. But yeah, you know, it, it, from a from a personal perspective, I'm glad he's I'm glad he's able to he's been able to have an impact for them and and regain some of that confidence and play regular regular rugby. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Right, we've got plenty more questions to get through, but before that, we're going to take a very, very quick break. Hi, I'm Harry Keddy, and you're listening to the Attack and Scrum podcast. Right, plenty more to come on the Attack and Scrum podcast. We're going to have a, a chat about who should make the, the Wales side for the the game against France and uh, we're uh, also going to have a look back at some of the Pro 14 action as well. Let us, uh, let's start with this one though. We, we mentioned a bit about the Ospreys earlier. This one's coming from Gary Mason. Have the Ospreys finally turned the corner or is it just a blip during the Six Nations? Um, for me, they'll dig in and tackle all day, uh, but the team has a big hole at 10 and it won't be fixed anytime fast. Um, what do you make of that? You said Luke Price kind of impressed you. How how do you kind of judge that that game for the Ospreys? Has it been a yeah? Is it is it just a question of picking up a win when the the internationals you know the internationals are away, or is it actually something that that they can go on and build from? Well, I, I think that my my Luke Price uh, praise is is comes from the fa- fairly uh, not not having great expectations mm. really, uh, and having probably the, sharing the doubts. That other people have got uh, about the fact that you know it's uh, they're having to play Kai Evans at, at fifteen, yeah, um, and uh, you know they they don't appear to be any nearer sort of thinking of him as a as a as a as, as a challenger for the ten jersey, uh, but I I I don't know I think I I hate the idea that that's it now everything's going to be fine because it just isn't you know you mm. could almost tell when there was a close-up of um andrew millwood uh on screen and you could hear the the crowd the booing, booing. Yeah. Uh, it was just like a kind of indicative that there's still a lot of stuff that's going on in that region that is not working right and obviously they're working hard to drop little stories into the press about people that they're talking to about recruiting coaches and the like um, but I mean, you know, they, they, it, it's not just even a matter of like, oh, are they going to just start winning now and everything's going to be fine? Because clearly yeah. they've only got coach in place for next year and they've got departing coaches who are currently working with the team. So it's they're miles away from having turned a corner, I would imagine. But they, it, but I was just really heartened by the spirit that they showed because there hasn't that's been notably absent. And I don't really care if. Um, you know what you think about obviously you know the Ulster Cooney has been phenomenal and oh, yes. and uh you know they they obviously lacked lacked a bit but they're still Ulster and they still have you know regularly beaten Ospreys and and put that's that's not point. an that's not an easy fixture at any time of the year is it no and and you know the the, the fact is that any any region in the pro 14 who uh, during international, du- during an international uh, period, would always fancy playing Ospreys at the moment. 
there's no, the, you know, the, they still are one of the weakest teams in the, in you know, out of all the team, out of all the squads, they've got one of the weakest squads. So I, it's just it would just be nice to think that that wasn't just one morale boosting win, and that they can at least be a little bit more competitive at home, which is what they were last night. That was that felt like it was a a, a, a pride win, you know, not just a kind of oh we just fluked it and we got lucky and the circumstance they, they, that was much more um, the sort of performance you'd expect from them at home and that's been missing for almost 18 months now really yeah exactly I, I think you're absolutely right when you said there's, there's there are bigger things here going on and top of that list is, is finding a new head coach I mean this season is a write-off and that is going to be the absolutely crucial thing is can they find the right man and uh and entice him down to the liberty because this appointment has to be completely spot on. Much like I said about this time a year ago, when the Dragons were replacing Jackman, they need almost the future of the region depended on them finding someone who could help consolidate and put some building blocks together so that the place didn't become a ghost town. And I think Dean Ryan's done that brilliantly for the Dragons. Now, again, it's not, it's not job done, but the, the first stage has gone well. They're a hard side to beat at home. We're winning some home games. And it almost shows how far the Ospreys have fallen. That you know, the, the Liberty was a, was a fortress for so long and they had such a, a proud record there that we're kind of saying, oh, well, you know, it's a, it's a really good win at home to Ulster when, when it's in the middle of an international window. These are the things they've got to build on, but getting that head coach right for next season is going to be absolutely crucial. And that's something I wanted to get your thought on. Like you say, there's a lot of names kind of floating around in the press. I did think the interesting thing with uh, with Dai Young being relieved of his duties or relieving himself for first-team duties at Wasps, this, I think, is a, is a very, very interesting one. I think they could do a lot worse than that. I know it's not fashionable to like Dai Young anymore, but, you know, he's, uh, he's had, yes, he's had a mixed bag at Wasps, but I'd argue he'd done more good than bad there, particularly during the, the move... From from Wickham to Coventry, which is you know is a very difficult time for them. Uh, you know, I thought he did. I thought he did some excellent stuff when he was uh, when he was Cardiff Blues coach. I I, I think I I think there have been worse appointments than appointing than appointing Di Young at, uh, at, the, at the Ospreys. I, I agree with you. I, that's one of the things that I mean. The Dean Ryan, Dean Ryan is somebody who's used to looking at the bigger picture mm. and somebody who. Maybe perhaps was not going to overstate the things and just kind of get on with it and and have stability at, at um, Dragons. But the other thing about Dragons, obviously, is that you've got a hat full of really exciting young players, and you know, and that's the difference. You look at the you look at the Osprey squad. You don't have that level of players that you're just really really excited to 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 even though you know really excited about the prospect of them coming through. Mm. Um, Obviously, there are some players, but not not as many as there are at Dragons. But I, I'd say it's. I mean, I, I'm not knowledgeable enough about the the abilities of the players like to, of um, coaches like Toby Booth and other mm. people who've been mentioned. Um, personally, I would actually rather see somebody like Diane who's been used to running a fairly big organization yeah in a director um, of rugby role as well I think yeah you know, somebody, um, he's been involved enough in recruitment as well as coaching 
yeah and somebody who you know that's a big there's a lot of a there's a big responsibility there at wasps i know that you know um compared to some of the other clubs they don't have um they don't have the kind of spending power or the you know and they do like to talk about wasps as a as a kind of small family sort of unit mm. type of thing that's always been the grand tradition of the the club but i just like the I just like the idea that somebody who's, you know, it's tough in the, it's tough in playing in the English top division, you know, it's tough managing and coaching and operating and that. And I, I would think that that will have only helped him um, and, you know, given him the sort of like the, the experience to do something positive at Ospreys, I, I would, I would definitely be more inclined towards that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just I, I think this has become the the thing that coaches get much like football was, you know, 10, 15 years. And that's continued that coaches get thrown on the scrap heap after one bad stint. And I think rugby has kind of crept into that into that thing. Again, yeah, Dean Ryan would not have been a fashionable appointment um, at the Dragons. You know, it's he's the kind of coach that, oh, yeah, well, he's no good at Worcester, was he? And, uh, oh, yeah, Gloucester, they never won anything. But actually, the level of experience he had from working in those organisations is exactly what Dragons needed at that point in time. And I kind of think the same about Dai Young. You know, we're, we're looking at it thinking, oh, he, he's, uh, he's on the scrap heap. And, and I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Well, he's not Sam Allardyce, is he? You no, know, he's not. And that's, but that's what he's been characterised as. Yeah, almost. yeah. And I think that's a bit unfair. I think it is. And, you know, of the other names mentioned, yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, to- Toby Booth is somebody certainly highly rated. And, you know, that that could be an interesting appointment. I know they mentioned um, Ben Herring, who, you know, obviously it's, 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 it's always reassuring to have a New Zealander in charge, isn't it? So, um, so I know he, he's, he's someone who's, who's kind of highly rated. I think where's, where's he coached Otago perhaps or um, around, around those ways. Um, and Dwayne Peel was kind of the other one. Now, Dwayne Peel has a, a really interesting reputation and I think he's rated very highly at Ulster. But it's such a big task to go from being attack coach. You know, I'd, I'd love to see something like Di Young coming in from a, a director of rugby capacity or a head coach capacity and then Dwayne Peel coming in as an attack coach. That would be something that would be really exciting and an opportunity to really have a good look at uh, at what some Welsh coaches are made of. I know it's about getting the right person for the job, but we still want to be able to facilitate Welsh coaching talent wherever possible. Yeah, and the, the thing is, there are, there were times maybe three or four years ago when we were all screaming for more mm. Welsh coaches to be involved with the regions. And it just feels that circumstances have changed at the moment. And obviously, die youngs as well as they can. But, um, but the idea is that you need somebody with just ex- with experience to bring people through. It just doesn't feel right. Like this is going to be a let's give let's give you a young Tyro their first big break at Ospreys and see how they go. I just can't see that working. I just don't. I just think there's it's too much. There's just there's so much to do there that it needs somebody who's who's got a broad a broad worldview and who's got the experience and the possibly just the calmness to, to kind of, to, to see the, you know, to look at the bigger picture and recognize what needs to be done rather than just go, okay, I'm going to just coach and coach and I'm going to be on the, I'm going to make these 
players better than they already are because the the there's the the region itself has got it's always had issues and always mm. will have it seems it's just always going to be a bit of a struggle with Ospreys and so just you can't just focus on the on the pitch you know it's just it just can't be done I don't think no I think I think that's right and if you look at the last couple of appointments it has been coaches in the post Galaxico era it has been about coaches making the step up, hasn't it? It's, you know, after the disaster of Scott Johnson, and it was a disaster. And, you know, prior to that, you had the, you know, you kind of had the, the Lynn Jones era. After that, you had um, you know, Steve Tandy kind of coming in. And, and actually, he was there for a long period of time. And I, I think history will judge Steve Tandy quite kindly in terms of what he's done. A lot kinder than perhaps a lot of the a lot of the stick he got at the time because coaching a side that was kind of shorn of all the investment was a difficult thing to do. And they were a very competitive, good side during that time. Um, and Alan Clark was, was brought in to, to be that kind of that step up and ended up doing three people's jobs and it simply didn't work. So for me, it, it has to be that kind of big head honcho experienced coach slash director of rugby figure to come in and really add some stability from top to bottom. Agreed. Right. I think that's it for listeners' questions. So, uh, oh, no, we do have one more. Uh, a slightly less serious one this yesterday, but I'm keen to get your thoughts on it. This from a longtime friend of the pod, Dav. Uh, would you rather fight one Jed-sized Dan Killick or ten Dan Killick-sized Jeds? Ooh. <laughs> See, Killick's not really... I don't really... I, I, I don't know. I just got this sense that he'd be quite combative. Do you think? Yeah, I just no. Think, I, I, I think wouldn't want to. He wouldn't want to. He wouldn't want to. You know, uh, get his pocket chief dirty, or uh, he wouldn't want to. He wouldn't want a, a snag in his new silk tie. So, I think you. I, I think you'd be better off fighting one jazz sized Dan Killick, who'd be massive but very docile. Do you think? <laughs> I'll take, I think I'll have to take your guidance on that. I'm, yes. not, I'm also. I'm also very much a lover, not a fighter. Well. That, that counts for anything. Yeah, and I'm I'm irritable, but not a fighter either. So there we go. There's no there's no da- no danger of a no danger of a scrap in uh, in that regard. Having a look ahead to next weekend, though, when it comes to selection, again, we'll we'll find out in the middle of the week what Wayne Pivak has gone for. What changes would you be looking to make, Justin? Um, if any. No, I don't. I I haven't got any. I haven't got any kind of. Um... The 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 whole George North mm. issue is the thing that seems to be occupying most people's minds, doesn't it, to a large extent? Wait, yeah. what do you think about you know? Do you think do you think he's being treated fairly, or do you think it's time to have a, have a um, as as ever? These things are blown massively out of proportion. I think it's exactly the same as Cuthbert and Priestland before that. I'm sure I've missed a few of the other the other scapegoats from years gone by. Um, I don't think George is playing particularly well by his standards. Um, I think he's a little low on confidence. Is there anyone coming in directly to take that that shirt off him? You know, again, as as big a talent as McNichol is, he had a very poor game against Italy defensively. So there is that. Um, you know, I, I, do, I would just like to see it as being if they make that call, they go. Do you know what? George isn't in the best of form, so there's no. I, I wouldn't suggest there's perhaps any point having him on the bench if that's the case. I'd say right, George. George is released to the Ospreys, and he's going to go and you know uh, and, and play a bit of rugby and uh, and stuff with them. 
but let's not throw the baby out of the bathwater. It's not George North is axed. You know, it's, do you know what, for this selection, we've decided it'd be better for him to go and, and regain a bit of confidence. And I always thought I was one of very few selections that Gatlin did get wrong, is you were asking a player like Cuthbert and a player like Priestland, both confidence players, to go and recover their form in international rugby, which I think is too hard to do. And to be honest, North, I think he's one of those players who could just turn around and, and run in two tries against France quite easily. Um, but he's, he's not playing his best rugby. So I'm, I'm less fixated on it. I think, like I said last week, defensively, it's about how they sort it out as a unit rather than as, as individuals. And if it's just about picking out individuals, then we're, we're doomed to fail. So um, I'm kind of less worried about it than I think everyone is. I think that not everyone, but, you know, there's a certain sector of people who've got a, a real preoccupation with George North. I'm, I certainly wouldn't be worried if I saw him on the team sheet, but likewise, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't pick him as well. And obviously he had a fairly decent time of it last last time out against France as well. But the um Well he did. I mean he had he had a howler of the first half and then and then yeah. won the game. Yeah. <laughs> An incredible game. Yeah. But the my gut feeling is the thing that uh, interests me most is similar to you. It's less about the selection procedure mm. and more more to do with the the fact that I, I don't know, my, I've got this nagging doubt about this, the idea of finding the outside, you know, the kind of magic of four yeah. years ago when, when Pivak sort of seemed to like invent another like dimension to the attacking game where, mm. you know, that you're James Davis out on the wing, uh, suddenly this Scarlet's was just so, so effective in that space. And that, in the intervening years, whether that space has been closed down, whether teams have got wise to it, and whether that that was Pivac's magic, um, it certainly was a, a really a strong contributory factor to Scarlett's success. And I just I wonder, uh, obviously being like a born pessimist, uh, whether whether it's ha- harder to find that that space on the outside in international rugby anyway. And whether just teams have got wise to that idea and that, so spinning, you know, throw sort of. I just wonder whether whether the players can play to that pattern more effectively, or whether there has to be another way of doing things. You know, the the idea of uh, your, you know, it's a lovely idea to think that Falatau once a game will get a fifteen yard stretch on the outside mm. and will. You know, and Gareth Davis or Thomas Williams will be on his shoulder to score a try. That seems to be the thing that I'm not. I'm much, much less confident with now than I used to be about the way that Pivac's teams play. Yeah, possibly. Again, I think it kind of comes back to the thing we said right at the top of the show. It's very, very early to make those calls. I think, and um, there's definitely an ambition there. And I think if you look at look at the the the, the one real positive from Dublin was that try. And I think it was just, you know, some nice, a nice move. And Alan Wynne-Jones spotting the opportunity for the offload, going for it and and finishing quite, quite easily. They're the things that I think, you know, will, will creep in over time. I think that I think the selections are, are going to evolve here as well. And I think you're going to find more and more that that he will favour footballing footballing players, not just in the backs, but in from one to 15. I think he is going to, he's not going to come in straight after Gatlin's taken them to, you know, a, 
a hair's breadth of getting to a World Cup final and go, right, I'm going to rip up the team sheet completely. But I think he will want over the next year or so to evolve and have a look at players who have the capability of playing an offloading, expansive game because that's the style of rugby that he has had success with. So I could see actually players like, potentially like George, being phased out. Um, you know, perhaps it's a little bit different on the wing. But certainly, I, I wouldn't expect to see him play at centre in the long run. And I think you're going to see players with, with a, a natural footballing ability being favoured uh, in terms of, yeah, in, in every position from 1 to 15. So I, I think, you know, keeping players like Toby fit, having a player like Justin Tipperick in there. And I, I think these things will, will kind of come back and uh, if things go according to plan. That's, that's my take on it anyway. And I think that next weekend may get feeling is it may actually give Pivak the opportunity to to not reveal but to to express that side of the game more effectively if if France's first two games are anything to go by. Obviously, they they with England they just shut England down. But I can't see them coming to Cardiff, and they seem to want to actually play more expansively and mm. still play. You know they're they're not going to be they're going to be hard. You know they're going to they they are definitely Edwards will not let them be slow off the mark in defence. But they I think they this may give it may be more of a rugby match. It will would would definitely it, it would def it'll definitely be different to a game when Gatland was almost sort of his eyebrows were touching the top of his head after the Paris game because yeah. he. This was crazy. This is not what I do. <laughs> I don't like this. It, it's more likely to be, you know, it's more likely to be a competitive game where uh, players are able to express themselves, perhaps. So it might be more of an in, indicative of the, of of what Pivac is aiming for. Obviously, Tipperick has been given a bit more of a license to roam, and that's going to be advantageous as well. So it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting next weekend. Yeah, I think the the next two games are really kind of going to be where we judge this, where we judge this campaign. I think if you can get a win at home to to France, that's going to be a massive that's going to be a massive boost. And I think we have to be targeting that one. And if we're able to do that, you then go to Twickenham with a bit more confidence. And depending on how England get on, the key bit I think there, as you said, France coming to Cardiff. I think the home advantage is very very big. France had a, a blinding first performance against England and got past, you know, got past Italy at, at home. Two home games. This is their first away game. We've looked good in Cardiff for a, a long period of time. That's the that's kind of the, the key bit for me, I think. And I can see the Six Nations being that that playing at home is is very much an advantage in a, you know in a, a time where you've got a lot of turnover of coaches and players. So I think that the home advantage. Should be enough, and I'm 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 backing Wales to to go out and get a win this week, uh, well, next weekend. What what do you see as uh, you know in your betting sort of <laughs> uh, in terms of points differentiate differential? I think it'll be close, but I would go for Wales by five. So yeah. I think it'll be a one-score game, and I, I can see I can see a good few tries, but I think this is going to be. I don't know. I'm hoping this is going to be the performance that, that gets people excited about what the potential is there. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it, it's the most the most likely game that will give us a sense of where we're heading. 
uh, this season. I think the England game will be very, very tough. Uh, but I think that's the this is the game that should. Yeah, it's the game that's going to mark the season. I think. Yeah, I, I think absolutely it is. Uh, well, look, yesterday it's been fantastic chatting to you. Thanks for for joining me. And uh, yeah, hopefully it will be it will be a game we can uh, we can get excited about. And uh, yeah, an intriguing Six Nations this one. Uh, like I said at the start, I still don't see anyone winning the Grand Slam. I could see us scuppering France. There's France's plans this weekend, and I could see England doing the same to Ireland later on in the. Uh, later on in the weekend so I think it's uh, it's a very very interesting one but I don't know who knows after this weekend it, it could all be on again couldn't it yeah could be but I think I, I go with you I think it's going to be yeah I don't think there's going to be a single dominating team this year no it's uh, well fascinating stuff and hopefully Wales can get the win thanks very much indeed for joining us Yestin and uh, yeah we'll catch up and chat to you very very soon I think thanks Jed Big thanks to Yestin there for joining us on the Attacking Scrum. Always enjoyable to have a chat with him. And uh, yeah, nice to chat to him on a weekend that the Ospreys have won as well. As promised, time to announce the winner of the Indigo Group competition that we ran. And uh, this is a great chance to win two tickets to the Wales versus France game. And a big congratulations to Ryan Williams, who is the winner of this competition. Well done, Ryan. We'll be in touch uh, with you about how to uh, about how to get your hands on those tickets. Congratulations and uh, yeah, enjoy the day. Hopefully get that win for Wales which will make it just that bit sweeter and uh, yeah once again thanks to the Indigo group for supplying those tickets for us uh, we'll have loads more to chat to you about of course next week so yeah keep your questions coming into the Attacking Scrum and uh, yeah let us know your thoughts and you can do that on Twitter at Attacking Scrum you can do it on Facebook uh, you can even do it on Instagram however you like to get in touch with us thanks for listening we'll be back to chat rugby with you very very soon Podcast Network.